Hello. Hello, Charlie. How are you doing? I'm all right, George. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. And hello, everybody. And、um, welcome to Archers and Tea. Yes, welcome to Archers and Tea. This is a podcast where George and I discuss all the latest goings on in Ambridge. We're massive fans of the Archers and dear friends. And normally, we'd be meeting up with a cup of tea and a biscuit to dissect the whole thing. But in these strange times, we've not been able to. So instead, we're meeting virtually, recording our conversations, and letting you tune in and join us. Yeah. So grab yourselves a cup of tea and a bicky, because actually, last last week,、um, you may remember I was dropping some not so subtle hints <laughs> about、uh, your biscuits that you got sent from our silent friend, and he has come through for me.、Um, oh. And I now I've got my own little pack of biscuits, and it's fabulous. So thank you so much to our silent friend. And what's the what type of biscuit do you have? I've got the I think the same was it the lime ones you had? Yes. I've got lime with like half coated with chocolate, and the chocolate is so thick. It's <laughs> it's brilliant. I'm very excited. I've got a brilliant note as well、uh, from our silent friend, which is.、Uh, Your biscuit hint was heavier than sarcasm in a snell quip, heavier than the interest on a Grundy loan, and heavier than a lamb's fleece before shearing season. <laughs> oh! So,、um, so thank you very much.、Um, I'm looking forward to tucking into those very quietly in the background. <laughs> I am.、Um, I also got sent more biscuits this week. <laughs> Excellent. Good. From our silent friend. More of the lime ones. No, this week he's gone.、Uh, He or she? Oh yes.、Uh, our, <laughs> our silent friend has gone down a more traditional route, and I have the chocolate finger. Ah, excellent! Very good. You're getting a range.、Oh. You're getting a whole. I'm getting a range. It's excellent. <laughs> I wasn't sure that any of them would survive today. Last night we opened them up, me and Dave, and we were going through them like it was. <laughs> Well, like they were chocolate fingers, and、um, we nearly finished the whole packet. So I was like, "We've got to save at least three for tomorrow,、yes. so that I can officially and truthfully have some biscuits while I do Archers and Tea." Indeed. And、um, I also spoke to my auntie this week. I've mentioned her before. She's a big fan of the Archers and、um, a dear friend of mine. And she told me a lot about、um, PTSD, which is something we think Linda might be suffering from. Which we、we'll, might talk about later, but she also reminded me that、um, she reminded me that I come from quite a religious family. So last week when I said I'm not very religious,、mm. uh, might not have rung true for her.、Um, my granddad was a Methodist minister, and then my grandma's second husband also was.、Um, but we were talking about those different places that you find peace and solace that might be a church or、um, a certain building, and she、uh, told me about how when she a couple of years ago when she was a bit younger. Um, she used to go to this this area in the countryside where there was a giant boulder in a clearing、um, that she used to sit on, and she'd be on this massive rock and just let her thoughts kind of come through and let them pass. She'd clear her head, and she found it very、um, spiritual. She said, "Oh wow, yeah, I know." And now she goes out into the countryside a lot、uh, as well, and she said that have you ever noticed in a path in in the woods? The trees still curl over at the top, and that、oh. itself can feel a little bit like a, th- a cathedral. Yes, yeah, like a, 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 a nature's cathedral.、Mm. Yeah.、Oh. yeah, I love woodland. Yeah, I love the woodland. I find it very peaceful.、Mm. Um, you do feel like you're in a building, even though you're outside, and then you can hear all the birds and the rustling of the leaves. I love that. Yeah, I just I'm just thinking about、um, you know the countryside around Ambridge. Would just be, you know, we would love a little wander through the Ambridge countryside. I'd love to go to Lakey Hill. Yeah, I know Lakey Hill sounds lovely, doesn't it? <laughs> What, I can just imagine the beautiful view. Well, talking of the archers, let's move on to the week's episodes. So Sunday's episode,、um, which I think we worked out would have been technically maybe Tuesday's episode. I can't remember. Well, the mystery solving continues. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Roy is is has obviously、um, not let it slide completely. He's kind of still got it in mind, so he、um, he heads back to the hospital. He sort of talk, he has has a chat with Phoebe about it, and Phoebe's sort of you know downplaying his concerns. But I think he, I get the feeling his main worry is that Philip's going to end up taking the blame. Is that right?、Mm, mm, at this point, he's very much.、Um, Thinking about Philip and his sort of 
yeah, his welfare in this whole situation. So he's still very much blaming Blake and thinking that this could just reflect badly on Philip. Yeah, but he sort of heads back to the hospital, and I was getting excited because I was like, right, we've got our we've got our crack detective team on the case. Uh, <laughs> Roy's heading to the hospital, uh, and what's he's going to find out? Mm. But instead, he doesn't see Blake, does he? He ends up chatting to an older uh, gentleman in the bed that was next to Blake's. Jeff. 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 Lovely Jeff. <laughs> I love Jeff. <gasps> I, he was great. Jeff was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. He was obviously kind of, I don't know well, who knows who knows why he's been in hospital, but he's, he's obviously been in there for a, bit, a little while. As seems to be a bit starved of human contact, bless him, whether he's not had many visitors. Um, mm. and, and Roy is just too nice to kind of be rude and leave and uh, ends up staying for a chat which is really lovely <laughs> um, it is isn't it the culmination of which was is, is was great because i'm I sort of from near birmingham he's sort of talking about the merits of birmingham moore street station as opposed to birmingham new street station <laughs> which is fantastic <laughs> um which you know he was at, i absolutely agree with jeff on actually moore street is a lovely station um anyway <laughs> is that right <laughs> it is, indeed yeah <gasps> Well, I um, I thought in the end it was quite useful, obviously, because he did let um, Roy know that Blake had been discharged and that his uncle had come to collect him, that big, heavy-set Welshman or something. Yeah. And so we knew, oh, goodness, like, you know, Roy is... is um, Roy now has a bit more information and now it, it doesn't look so good for Philip and I got very excited. But also, I found that Jeff... It made me think of people in hospital at the moment and who... Um, might be a bit lonely, who can't have visitors. And I really, I was thinking about all the people in hospital right now and feeling really sorry for them. Mm. And then I thought, do you know who'd be really good at going to visit people in hospital if you were allowed? Joy Horville. Absolutely. <laughs> Send Joy Horville. Joy Horville could be like a, you know how you get those, um, oh, a, a sort of a social socialising dog or something. What's, mm. what's it called? What's it called where you kind of like take them around to um, kind of retirement homes and, and and they kind of go and play with guests. Yeah, send Joy Horville in for conversation in hospitals. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be perfect, wouldn't it? I mean, and by that point, I think people will be desperate to have some quiet time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got really excited about the mystery stuff because I generally love reading mystery stories or watching them on the television. I love like Miss Marple and all the Agatha Christie things. And um, I always find there's sort of two ways that, well, I think there are two common ways that the mystery stories are told. And there are those where sort of we as the audience are in the dark just as much as those detectives and those people trying to discover the truth. But here in this situation, we've got that other side of things where sort of the audience know a lot more than the characters and we're waiting for our characters to work it out. And you'd think that that wouldn't work, that it might not be interesting. But actually, I think it does build quite a lot of tension because we know and we're desperate to sort of relay that information to Roy and tell Oliver. But we can't. I find it quite, it's quite exciting. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, yeah, you're absolutely right. There are those two different kind of sides to it. And uh, yeah, different ways of telling that story. And it does, yeah, for some reason, the tension is building here because you're just watching, you're waiting or listening um, for that little slip up. Mm, mm. Well, yeah, I was very excited anyway. I thought, oh, this is it. Roy knows about Philip. So surely, surely. We're on the way. We're on the way now. Some unravelling. Oh, well, we shall see. Mm. And, and also in this episode, we've got um, kind of the, the, the kind of, yeah, the aftermath of the Easter festival, really, with Linda and Robert. Um, and and Linda sort of, in some ways, blaming Robert for, um, I don't know, taking her out of her comfort zone, um, sort of pushing her further than she was ready to go. Yeah, and I, it is difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, it's not his fault that Kenton put the microphone in her face. Mm. But the point that Linda seems to be making is, once again, sort of, you know, you weren't listening to me. Yes. And it's hard, isn't it? I mean, because of course we've we talked about this in a couple of episodes where that seems to be the most important thing to do with a person who's um, gone through such a traumatic event 
um, or maybe if they're grieving or something like that, you know, you need to listen to what they ask of you, not assume that you know what they need or what they want. But at the same time, it's difficult too, because some people in those situations do just need a bit of encouragement. Yeah. You know, they just want a bit of support. It's okay, we can do this. And then you find at the end of the day, oh, I'm really glad we went to that festival. Thank you. Thanks for encouraging me. And so it must be hard for Robert to strike that balance. Yes, yes. There could have been an alternative storyline, I guess, where they'd gone to the Easter festival, the microphone had been thrown into Linda's face and suddenly she felt like herself again and was, you know, giving a wonderful speech about the renaming of the pub. And yeah, yeah, there's an alternative universe where that might have happened. But unfortunately... It's just, yeah, it's not quite worked out um, in the way that Robert was hoping this time. No. But Lillian, one of my favourite characters, comes round and saves the day in this episode. So she reminds Robert that, uh, that you know, couples, even couples as strong as them, do actually need space from each other. And it's not normal to spend 100% of your time with just one other person, which I found extremely, uh, yeah, appropriate. Appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I found it extremely appropriate for this time because I think lots of couples or people everywhere are spending a lot more time than they normally would with maybe only one other person. And uh, and actually, it's quite important to remember that that isn't normal. And so if you do fall out about the dishwasher, uh, you know, that's fine. And maybe one of you needs to go for a walk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We, uh, <laughs> sorry, I agreed too readily there. No, no, we're... Uh, it sounds quite specific, doesn't it? I feel like I'm giving something away. <laughs> the little tip that I was, was passed on to me, I think via social media, um, which is in, invent a kind of a, um, a third work colleague that you have living in your house or flat and that anything that goes wrong, just blame it on them. Um, so whether it's, you know, you know, Brian or uh, somebody say, oh, Brian's not into the dishwasher again for goodness sake <laughs> and then you can just both play, place the blame on them um, rather than on each other <laughs> that is brilliant what an amazing idea I'm not casting any aspersions on anybody named Brian who might uh, not muck in with the housework as they uh, <laughs> as they possibly should do although I think that's quite an accurate one in Ambridge because Brian Aldrin well yes indeed I don't think he does the dishwasher do you I don't, I don't think he's ever emptied dishwasher in his life. <laughs> Maybe that's harsh. <laughs> but um, Lillian does point this all out to, to Robert and Linda. And, mm. uh, and so she sort of forces Robert to go out for a walk and take Monty. Because at this point, Linda doesn't even want to see Monty. And you know, I that's know, bad. that's when I, yeah, that's, that, that was the bit that really got me was when she didn't even want to see Monty, who had brought her so much joy the previous week. Mm. Yeah, that was, that was pretty. Yeah. It's pretty difficult. But then... Lillian cheers Linda up with gossip and we hear yeah. finally about Lillian's reaction to winning the bonnet prize because of course a couple of was it yesterday you know the last episode um Lillian won the prize for funniest bonnet which she inadvertently won because she was just wearing her regular dog walking hat had left the bull at a certain point when these odd people walking <laughs> past with bonnets and she ended up being counted and winning in in a category that didn't even exist before they saw her hat which i thought was pretty, <laughs> they, they changed one of the categories specifically because her hat was so funny <laughs> such uh, is the force of that hat <laughs> well yeah indeed it was wonderful. <laughs> and um, and so we hear her reaction. She does say at, at first she was seething and furious, but actually she's seen the bright side of the whole thing, which is quite nice, and, and sort of laughed with Linda about it. Um, and then she lets us know about the chocolate frog because she basically makes it clear to us that what happened was the ears had been eaten and then someone yes. had placed a chocolate hat over the top, so now it looked like a, a strange transmorphic frog. <laughs> yeah very strange we were sort of wondering what had happened with that last last week weren't we but I think that's we were. Uh, yeah oh dear Shula brilliant <laughs> oh, I just can't believe it was Shula Shula's got a dark side we need a bit more of Shula's dark side I've got to say mm, yeah I liked it um I uh yeah I love this episode and I think it was nice it reminded me as well that sometimes you do just need to have a cup of tea with a pal and a laugh yeah, absolutely. And then we came on to Monday's episode, um, <gasps> which was our dinner party. Oh, George. I know. I know, right? And, and you can just, you can hear it coming. And, and Philip, I, I, there's a part of me that just thinks, like, a month ago, 
or so before we knew about anything, if you'd said there was going to be an episode where uh, Helen and Roy were going round to Philip and Kirsty's for a dinner party to discuss the wedding, you'd think, oh, that's just going to be so lovely. What a fantastic dinner party. What a nice bunch of people to have together. Um, but as soon as you hear that it's happening this time, you just think, oh, no, Roy is, mm. uh, Roy is on the case. I know. I've just eaten loads of biscuits, sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. Well, <laughs> I keep thinking I can talk and I'm not ready. I've still got chocolate biscuit in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're probably going to cut that. But for listeners, we just had, had to take a little pause where uh, where Charlie had to finish a mouthful of chocolate biscuit there. <laughs> <laughs> you outed me, George. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think... Yes, you would normally think that this kind of situation with Helen, Roy, Kirsty, and Philip would actually be quite lovely. And I know that, you know, age-wise, you and I would probably fit into the Pip, Rex, Toby Fairbrother age group, would you say? Yes, I would. <laughs> I also had a mouthful of biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> We've done really badly. So yeah, I would say normally we would fit into that age group, but actually yeah, I often agreed. feel quite a quite a connection to the to the Roy, Helen, Kirsty, Philip kind of group. I think maybe, you know, I'm more like them as people. Um I've always been quite an old soul. Uh not that they're old, but they're just a little bit older than me. And obviously they have children, you know, Helen has children, Roy has children, Philip has children, and they're all quite grown up. But I was like, oh yeah, you know, I really, I really feel connected to these people. And then but of course now it's a completely different kind of evening. So Philip has invited them round to talk about wedding plans, but it's it ends up turning out well. It just it's not what I expected. Basically, um, at first I thought I was even questioning Philip's motives. I wondered if it was just to distract and cheer Kirsty up. I, I I wasn't sure whether it was maybe to keep an eye on Roy, but I didn't I didn't think that because Philip seems to have dismissed Roy at this point. He hasn't taken Roy very seriously. Yeah, I don't think so. It, it doesn't feel like he's on his radar as a, as a threat um, at the moment. <laughs> but th- but we can, we can, you can tell immediately that Roy is completely distracted. He's not sort of getting involved in the conversation at all. And, mm. um, and we, we know from his visit to the hospital that he's got something on his mind. And mm. it just feels inevitable that he's going to bring it up. And he does so in such a good way. I really, I was walking I in the park. I nearly stopped in my tracks. I, uh, it was just so brilliant because they're talking about the stag do yeah. and how Philip now wants one. And then Roy just goes, do you want anyone else at your stag do? You know, yeah. what about family members? And you can hear it. You're like, dun, 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 dun. yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Philip's like, no, no family members. It's like, oh, what about Blake? What about Blake? He's your nephew, isn't he? You're his uncle. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And Kirsty's like, is that true, Philip? Are you his uncle? And I was like, oh, my God. It's happened. The whole thing's going to unravel. But of course, Philip seems to manage to wriggle his way out of this again. He, he, he gathers together quite a plausible story, you know. Oh, you know, we just call each other uncle and nephew because I've known him for a long time and they wouldn't let me see him in the hospital, so I pretended to be his uncle. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that is plausible. Yeah, I almost believed him and I uh, I know <laughs> I know it's not true. <laughs> yeah, he, he covered it. You know, it's, it's sort of a classic kind of calculated and calculated Philip. He's sort of, things are going slightly wrong, but he's kind of, he's gathered himself and you can you can hear it in, you know, hear it within the scene, gathering himself and get, getting that cover story. And uh, mm. yeah, they're going to keep us waiting, I think, aren't they? They absolutely are. I mean, you know, I've heard people talk about that it's it's unbelievable to imagine Philip now as this evil guy because there was no sign of it before. But I actually think this kind of thing is what makes it more plausible. He is the kind of person who has always been able to think on his feet and is used to lying evidently so he's Mm. very good at it and of course he's had us all fooled yeah absolutely and then he's very clever isn't he because he's very forgiving of Roy even when Kirsty is really angry and I think that's quite a good game plan because he basically acts as though he's not guilty of any wrongdoing and therefore if someone wasn't really guilty they might be more forgiving or more patient and they certainly wouldn't get upset um I thought this was the the beginning of it all but they're obviously going to make us wait but there may be other things in there because he was quite specific with some details, weren't he? About that he'd gone to Norwich to stay with his parents, and yeah, like you know, is he going to remember those details when he's uh, because Blake clearly isn't in Norwich with his parents, bless him. 
yeah, is he going to remember those details next time he has to tell the same story? I don't know. We'll see. That's a very good point, George. Really good. Mm. <laughs> I've watched too many detective uh, programs on the BBC. <laughs> there is no such thing as too many. No, that's I true. <laughs> love a detective program. <laughs> also in this episode, Kenton comes to interview Shula instead, which is nice. Are we a little disappointed that it's not Alistair? Well, it wasn't really. We didn't hear that there had been a change of plan, did we? We were kind of as taken aback as Shula was. Um, I think it was a little bit of a shame. I, I kind of, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily pick Kenton immediately uh, to take on that role <laughs> of not interviewer. Um, but, but, that, but that is sort of slightly unfair. That I w- He wouldn't immediately come to mind. I'd probably go for Alistair over him. But he obviously knows Shula so well. Um, but then I think also can kind of get beyond all the kind of the waffle and the, you know, get down to the real questions and the real answers mm. which he seems to do quite well i think well he is her twin which we forget sometimes well i i don't know i knew they were brothers sister. i don't know whether i knew they were twins i don't know really all, well i don't know i don't know whether that's just something that i've forgotten <sighs> um or never paid attention when they've been discussing it well they're the oldest aren't they they were the first um two i think they're the oldest of the archer children then it's david and then it's elizabeth I ah, see so you've done you've got your family tree I've never made a family tree so I will. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah you may yeah probably right it's it, it's amazing because actually you know I always think that Kenton sounds a lot younger than Shula but that's obviously just you know their characters rather than uh, their actual ages mm, mm, that's a very good point I think Kenton does have a youthful energy ar- uh, about him and mm. he's also quite naughty which makes him feel younger I think as well I was very pleased to get some of Kenton in this episode. I always enjoy him being around. He spices things up just from a sort of, obviously if I was Shula, I think I'd rather have Alistair, but as an, as a listener, I'm glad mm. we've got Kenton because you know that something's going to happen. Um, mm. I thought he very, did a very good impression of a bishop. Oh yes, it was, wasn't it? It was lovely. <laughs> mm. But then he's a bit insensitive. He isn't very tactful. He doesn't use a lot of tact when he talks about mm. her faults um and Shula gets upset and throws him out yeah yeah which is it's a shame I, 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 but I don't yeah like I say I don't know whether actually it might be good for her you know in the long run with her prep um you know the bishop's advisory board will probably hopefully see a cakewalk after uh, after that I don't know mm, mm. Um, and then we move on to Tuesday's episode. This episode was very bizarre, I thought. Um, <laughs> I got, I was like, what the hell? Um, so it's a training session of this episode. No, no, no there were absolutely, there were elements of this episode that I didn't quite understand, but we'll come to those when we come to them. That's okay, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the episode where Tracy was going to be in charge of training. We knew this was coming. Uh, because Harrison had got irritated previously and said, fine, if you think you can do it, you can be in charge of training. So she's got uh, Lee involved. We start the episode with Tracy evidently keen to put Jolene off coming, which I thought was a little harsh. Yeah, absolutely. Given she, she sort of saved the day a little bit, like as in like just by turning up to play. Exactly. Season. Yeah, very harsh. Well, it's it, it harks back to our conversation we had last week about whether, you know, amateur slash low league sport is about the winning or the community um and evidently tracy is all about the winning so she's employed lee uh to come and do a training exercise and he's so sweet and nice at the beginning yes and i was like oh classic lee and i thought he's going to disappoint disappoint tracy and then suddenly he turns into this sergeant major being really cruel shouting at everyone getting everyone to go yes lee yes sir (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, to everybody's surprise and and also disappointment, I think. And then at the end of the training session, he just immediately switches back to, oh, hiya, yeah, glad you liked it. Oh, I'm just going to go see Helen now. I found it very funny. I laughed out loud at that. Yeah, just where he was like, oh, I'm just going to see Helen. Just so lovely again. Um, <laughs> that was very funny. It was very funny. It was really, I thought the actor did a really great job. And um and then we find out, oh, the reason he did the Sergeant Major thing was because Tracy asked him to, which, um, again, irritated quite a few people on the cricket team. And we, uh, we, we I think before, before the session, we hear a little bit from um, Roman, don't we? Roman mm. Trench. Um, and, and, and what's great is we've been given a little insight into the new blockbuster film coming next year, which is 
um, <laughs> which is twins separated at birth. One of them becomes <laughs> one. One becomes a, uh, a a criminal mastermind. One becomes a crack, uh, no, a hardened cop. <laughs> um, which just sounds it sounds awful. Bless him. <laughs> it I don't really, know. Is that harsh? It does sound bad. I don't know. I don't know, George. It's very difficult, isn't it? We both work in the artistic and creative industry, and I'm always sort of. Um, I'm not keen to disparage or discourage anybody at the early stages of their artistic endeavours. Um, and no idea is a bad idea and you've got to just get it out there and write it and it could be amazing. You know, what do I know? But I feel like I do know in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If anybody is currently working on a script about twins separated at birth where one becomes a criminal mastermind and one becomes a hardened criminal... Um, no, one becomes a hardened cop. Um, do carry on with it. Do persevere. And I'm sure it'd be great. But I don't know whether Roman Trench, particularly just because he is planning to write it and then also star in both roles, uh, is always, always slightly dangerous, I feel. <laughs> there's warning signs there, yeah, isn't there? You just, you just wonder whether he's going to really put the art first or whether it's going to be more of a vehicle for his career. And often those things aren't very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, and then I loved all of Tracy's. And they need a dog and a cat. And then there are girls <laughs> who are also twins. And I thought, now this is getting somewhere. This is a farce. <laughs> Excellent. Now we're talking. <laughs> um, but then we find out that Roman used to be or is a very good cricket player. And um, Kirsty, not Kirsty, Tracy's extremely keen for him to join the Ambridge cricket team. But Harrison says he can't because he doesn't live in Ambridge. Yes, I wondered whether this was going to be a moment of um, of Trace saying, well, you should move in with me. Um, mm. And they move in together. Um, but uh, possibly a little bit early for that, I don't know. Yeah. Well, with Tracy and Roman, it's obviously going down a different route here where um, rather than us thinking it's about a love story, you know, something akin to the early days of Kirsty and Philip, instead it's almost a comedy subplot where Roman is suggesting that Tracy carry out a coup d'etat yes upon the leadership of the cricket team i know well this is i mean this is what what drama i mean for goodness sake the, the ambridge <laughs> cricket team overthrowing the powers that be within the ambridge cricket team um, and his own nephew her own nephew <laughs> i know yeah it's uh i don't quite know how you manage to i don't i think with a coup d'etat normally you need a little bit of support from sort of you know the general people around you um, or sort of, and I'm not quite sure whether Tracy would find that after that tra training session. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm misjudging. That is a very good point that I didn't think about, George. Of course, <laughs> this could actually be really quite a funny fall from grace for Tracy, where she thinks she can get support and actually she can't <laughs> because she realizes nobody likes her way of doing things. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll be fun to see it play out. Definitely. Um, I can't wait to hear her trying to garner support in various different. Um, ways that'll be fun to hear yes i'm not sure she's going to get it from jolie um, <laughs> <laughs> not obviously uh, and then we get a little just a little reminder about the situation with rewilding ambridge rewilding where um phoebe and justin meet to talk about these barns that justin was suggesting that the rewilding team co-invest in with him to buy and then they would rent them out and use the income to further sort of support the Ambridge rewilding project and of course Justin would help them with that and maybe it would help him a little bit too you know but yes. but I'm just really here to help you hmm. and then <laughs> uh, Phoebe had a great idea that actually what they could do is tie it into their sort of ethical uh, motto and only rent the buildings to ethical startups so that they are uh both yes they'll get their income but also they're actually supporting other projects similar to themselves which is a really great idea yeah. but justin points out that it is not viable in his opinion yeah absolutely she's she's definitely got um pip and rex on board they're 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 well up for the ethical businesses idea startups um but yeah justin is sort of you know in in a very justin way kind of turns around and says well, you know, that sounds like a lovely idea and I, and I hope it works out for you, but you won't be getting my help. Um, mm. Which presumably they need because they've only got so much capital from the money and 
they need to be investing it towards rewilding projects really rather than um, putting in his property so I don't know they 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 might get a little bit stuck I think unfortunately without Justin's investment and you saw this coming you saw this coming because you said Justin doesn't really do things unless they are good for Justin and he's now holding them ransom basically saying you can you could do this but I won't help you and you've mm. seen the figures and you won't be able to make it work so you're going to need my investment you're going to need my investment which means you're going to have to do it my way yes and I and I hope that uh well we hope that Phoebe will go back to Rex and Pip and and discuss it rather than you know uh, hopefully she has learned her lesson and and won't sort of make any rash decisions um without them yes I really hope she has learned so I've got one little thing about this so this is the bit I was a little bit confused about with this episode did we hear the cricket training session in the background of the discussion of the barns am I completely making that up I'm sure at various points in this seat like two points I could hear like yes Lee in the background did you hear that yes yes it was right yeah um I could like so I was like I was couldn't work out the geography of it and I was like what are these two scenes melding into one? Why are they? Um, anyway, but that makes sense because they were going on a long run. So wherever these barns are, they've obviously run past the barns. Um, and we can yes. just hear a slightly odd yes Lee in the background, which I found very funny. <laughs> so that was it. They'd gone on a run. Oh, you're so clever. Because I did hear it too and think, are the barns really near the cricket ground? Maybe they are. Somebody maybe, maybe are. can tell us about the geography of Ambridge, but um, but actually, yeah, going on a run, that would make sense. And then they're having to sort of, like in the army, you know, shout things as they run. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was just very funny. It just sort of like came in from nowhere. <laughs> oh, very good. I liked that a lot. Very good. Yes, no, no, it was a good addition. Uh, so Wednesday's episode starts with moany old Gavin. Oh, he's a pain, isn't he? <laughs> Sorry. <Such> a pain. <laughs> No, do not apologise. He is such a pain. I, he really gets on my nerves, does Gavin. Yeah, absolutely. And and particularly, we, we, know, I, he's, we know he's not a nice bit piece of work, really. Um, you know, we, we sort of, I think I've said to you before that I'm suspicious about the breakdown in, in his uh, relationship from before. But mm. I, um, I do think that he, he is a bit of a loose cannon. Compared, like relatively speaking, to 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 Philip, who's so calm and calculated, and so you know, you can imagine at the dinner party if Gavin had been at dinner party instead of Philip, there's no way that he would have been com- able to come up with that cover story for why he was being called uncle. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Is 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 Gavin gonna kind of be Philip's downfall in the end? I don't know. I think that's a really good point. I think definitely, you know, had Philip been in that um, that dinner party, he would have got angry and aggressive rather and defensive rather than actually coming up with a good story, which probably would have roused more suspicion. Mm. And I do, I think because he's a bit more hot-headed and erratic, I think he could be the key to Philip's downfall because he Philip can't seem to quite control him. Um, I mean, I don't think Gavin can control himself. He suggests... That they lose Blake, which basically means chuck him back out onto the streets, which I found abhorrent. I mean, I know Philip is awful, but Gavin is just a nasty, nasty piece of work. Yeah, absolutely. But but also, well, I don't know, there's an old nature-nurture thing, but, you know, if uh, if Philip's his dad, like, you know, there's... I don't know. There's there's nastiness in both of them, isn't there? But I think they, they display it in different ways. That's a very good point. Again, George, you're right. He's, of mm. course, Philip's son. So, yeah, we'll have to see, see, see what happens with Gav in the weeks to come. But um, we also then... Um, Kirsty rings Philip, doesn't doesn't she? Mm. Kirsty rings Philip because Linda has rung Kirsty um, and Linda wants to have a chat with Philip and just sort of find out a little bit more about the explosion um, mm. and what happened, which... I mean, I'm adding, I think, because our crack detective team at the moment, we've got Roy and Oliver. Can we add Linda to the crack detective team? I think soon. Yeah, I think soon. She's, she's just, you know, she's just started to ask questions. I don't know. We shall see. Mm. Um, so so, so Kirsty's telling Philip that, um, that Linda wants to chat. That's right. And Philip once again reminds us that... Um, it's quite important. He reminds her and he reminds us that, you know, if he's got nothing to hide, why wouldn't he be able to go round? Which kind of gives us an insight into his mindset about how he's going to deal with this and how he's going to cover all of his actions. 
you know, I'm going to act as if I've got nothing to hide and then I will rouse zero suspicion. Again, you, you sort of think Gav would probably just refuse to go around and just say, no, 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 mm. no, no, not go, not go around, not go around. Um, and therefore mm. arouse suspicion just through that, you know, that inaction. Um, yeah, but yes, yeah, yeah sensible from Philip to sort of agree and go around. Mm. And of course, meanwhile, we, we have heard that Linda was keen to find out about the explosion. I think that makes quite a lot of sense to me because sometimes in order to process something, you do need all the details of what happened. You need to be able to sort of understand what happened, even if it's difficult to hear that information. Um, it can help you move forward. You know, you when you when you're in the dark, a lot of the time it can be really difficult to process the events. But if you know what happened, then it might be easier. But of course, I really understand where Robert's coming from because he's very protective and doesn't want to doesn't want Linda to get upset. Yeah. So when Philip and Kirsty arrive, Robert is seething, and I felt really sorry for Robert in this situation because Linda evidently hadn't warned him that she'd invited Philip over. And and Robert is sort of, I don't know, is again constantly stuck between this, does Linda want to see people, does she, does she not? And, and quite often I don't think Linda really knows, but, you know, with Lillian, you know, Linda's refusing to see people, so he tries to send Lillian away, but then actually Lillian's really good for him, good for Linda, um, in earlier in the week. And then now, again, he thinks, you know, Linda doesn't want to see anyone, especially of all people, the person responsible for... Um, her kind of injuries um but yeah absolutely linda has invited them round, and that's uh and and he's you know robert is none the wiser yeah i definitely feel mm. sorry for robert in that situation yeah and she's really it's really caught him by surprise um and and i think surprise is one of the the hardest things to deal with you know when you can prepare for something that's one thing mm. but when it comes out of nowhere it can really knock your balance yeah and so he's very, very upset and he fiercely argues that it's all Philip's fault, which made me wonder, yeah. maybe will Robert also be part of this mystery solving team? <laughs> um, and then he says, he did sort of say, you know, because of all this, I'm losing her. Mm. And I found the grammar in that sentence very important. It's in present tense. I mean, I'm sure there's a more specific description of, this, of the tense they've used, but um, it's happening now. The damage yes. is ongoing. It's it's not something that happened at the at the time of the accident and is now done now that she is no longer physically in any massive danger. It's an ongoing problem. I'm losing her, and I found that really really difficult. Yeah, yeah. I th- it was. I thought this was. It was actually a really interesting um, writing decision because we obviously, you know, in our mystery solving hats on. I'm thinking, oh, right, let's have a listen in on what Philip's going to say to Linda and let's spot the holes in his story, blah, blah, blah. But actually, we don't get that. We have the conversation between Robert and uh, Kirsty. I think that's a really good choice because, yeah, I, again, it's a really hard listen to what Robert is going through. And I think that I think it is really difficult for him. I think it's 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 obviously difficult for Linda, but it is just really difficult for Robert because he just doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do. Um, mm. And feeling like the person that you love and are sharing your life with, feeling that, that person is changing, has mm. changed, wondering whether that change is irreversible, trying to fight that change, but also being aware that, you know, it's inevitable that something will change. I don't know. It's Change is difficult. Change is difficult at the mm. best of times. And when it's... Um, been caused by a, a, a certain event that you can very much point at and say this is why this change has happened and I believe that this person is at fault for that um, you can understand where his his hurt and, and anger uh, come from. Absolutely yeah you really can understand where it's all coming from. Oh, Paul Robert, I, I think you're right, it's a really good choice by the writers, I think um, it's interesting, mental health is still something which needs a lot more uh, attention and uh, focus and we need to take it very seriously and yet it is just easier you know when you've got a physical ailment and you're recovering from that you get rehab exercises that you're meant to do every day and if you do them as prescribed you might get better your leg might get better but with mental health it's just not like that and you can't see it and you can't 
necessarily quantify when things are getting better and there are no just sort of simple exercises that you can do to feel better and so then people close to you also feel completely helpless because they can't see any future in any way to improve yeah and 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 no way that they can knowingly help there's no sort of you know well I will help you with these physio exercises or I will whatever it is um it's very difficult to know how to help um, and mm. what the right way of helping is, if there is a way. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, sadly, Linda and Robert end up arguing in front of Kirsty and Philip yeah. um, as Philip's leaving. Um, and Linda's saying that he fusses and that he does what he thinks she wants but doesn't do what she actually needs, which we've talked about that before, that we think that mm. he's not necessarily always listening to her, but then we know that it's also really difficult for Robert. Um, I found it quite, personally, I found this quite tricky to listen to myself. And um, and then Philip accidentally, on purpose, um, riles Robert by calling him Robert. Um, I wondered, what does Robert mean by that? Should should Philip be calling him Mr. Snell? Yeah, I don't know. Presumably they don't know each other well, slash if at all, I don't know. Um, mm. Yeah, so I guess it's a sort of a, yeah. You know, call your senior Mr. Snell. You know, or somebody that you don't know very well should be Mr. Snell. I assume that's what. Yeah, like you say, that's what Robert's coming. Where Robert's coming from. Yes, and then it really just sets Robert off, and he actually attacked Philip. Yeah. So I could. Yeah, because it was all it was all a real kerfuffle. Um, mm. I couldn't quite work out exactly what had happened, but it sounded like yes. Yeah, so Robert tr- attacked Philip, tried to punch him, and then it sort of Philip in the melee kind of kind of act did he accidentally sort of make contact with robert in some way i couldn't quite work out what happened i thought that he did as well actually mm. i thought that maybe through defending himself yeah um or you know through philip's quick <laughs> philip being able to react quickly to physical situations um he might have accidentally yeah hurt robert in the process but certainly robert's fallen to the ground yes yes definitely um yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's just a very dramatic ending to the episode, really, wasn't it? And I think mm. did you work out that it was going that this would have been the Friday episode? Is that right? Yeah, I think I think I've got that right that um that this would have been a Friday episode, which makes total sense in the yeah. way that it ends on a bit more of a cliffhanger. Yes, yes, it's <laughs> yeah. I can imagine um, Philip and Kirsty beating a hasty retreat down the driveway and uh, and getting out of there as quickly as possible. Mm, mm. And then we move on to Thursday's episode, which, uh, yeah, you can feel maybe that there was another day that has passed in between these two because it doesn't pick up immediately from where we left off. Um, so Kenton has driven all the way down to the Bishop's fun weekend um, to collect <laughs> Shula. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And she's surprised to see him. So he's obviously not kind of told her that he was going to go pick her up from Bishop fun weekend. Um, and uh, it, it's quite sweet actually because you know she's you know she says oh you're a sight for sore eyes she's I was slightly worried at this point that it that meant that it had all gone really badly that she'd had a miserable weekend and it was all all dreadful and she was you know just wanted to get out of there but it doesn't mm. seem that that doesn't seem to be the case uh, as, as the episode went on no it doesn't does it it sounds like what she's talking about more is just that um it was a very intense weekend and she's quite tired and she so she sort of had to deal with a lot. A lot's happened. Um, and so being driven is a, is a real, a nice chance to relax. Yes, absolutely. You can sort of, yeah, public transport can always be a little bit more, can be a little bit more tiring than just sort of hopping in the car, going door to door. If someone else is doing the driving. Indeed, um, yeah. And um, so we do hear that it was really fun for her though. And she did actually have a really good time and she met some really interesting people um Mm. and she's got to wait two weeks for the outcome so we can all look forward to that yeah I sort of I I was just thinking about that uh about times in my life where I've been away on I don't know whether it's a weekend away or week away or whether you're doing a retreat like this or a course um and if you're away with like-minded people um kind of you know taken away from the real world that can be a really kind of interesting and fun experience and a kind of you bond with those people very quickly i think um she sort of is talking talking about the 
the th the speech, you know, the, the talks that uh, presentations that everyone else has done, and how interesting she found them. Um, and I could just imagine it would actually be really interesting um, mm, to mm. be away. You know, I don't know things like you know acting courses that I've done in the past, or um, I don't know when, when I was at school, I did a, a singing course where I went away and did some singing for a, a, so a few days. Singing. Um, oh, I thought you said signalling. Signalling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been a, a <laughs> railway lineman for uh, <laughs> no, I uh, yes semaphore, semaphore. We're I did a semaphore course. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I I'm sure. I, I I don't know any semaphore, I'm afraid. Um, but no, this was singing. Um, but yeah, but those sorts of things where you actually you kind of as a group of people ha have something in common. You come together mm. really, really tightly. And I can imagine it was a lovely weekend. I can sure it was. And I always remember those things. Um, you, you end up feeling like you're in a bit of a bubble and the rest of the world sort of disappears for a while. And the most important thing is the other people around you and the weird new social hierarchy and the, the evening activities. And yes. um, <laughs> it's all really fun. And you sort of forget that anything else exists. And then you come home and you're like, oh, now that feels like a dream. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, and obviously, you know, there's the added added pressure on this weekend that uh, you know she's being assessed, and uh, and that that you know surely does add a lot of stress. But uh, yes, I, I hopefully she she's yeah what's yeah it's been an intense but enjoyable weekend, so that's that's good for Shula. Mm. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for Shula. I, I feel like it should work out for her. I, mm. I feel like this is this is indeed a calling. Um, mm. And then Robert gets to talk to Jim. So I really like these relationships in Ambridge. The specific kind of relationship. It's quite similar to Lillian and Linda's, where Jim and Robert are often actually rivals or, you know, enemies in different situations. Um, but then actually, when it comes down to it, there's usually a, a strong connection there. And, and a sort of actually they know each other better than... They know other people in Ambridge, even though they have this slightly, um, you know, uh, mixed relationship with this person. Yeah, well, it's sort of the bird watching, isn't it? I think that where they they kind of, you know, will often find each other in the hide and um, and uh, yeah, aren't always particularly thrilled to find each other there. Um, but sometimes I think I've had some quite nice, you get the feeling I've had some quite nice evenings there where they've ended up you know, bonding over birds and things. Or uh, or Jim scares the life out of Robert with a Indeed. <laughs> story. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was brilliant. Absolutely. He was so genuinely frightened. I know. He couldn't sleep that night, could he? <laughs> no, and he wanted him and Linda to push their beds together. And Linda yeah. was very clear that it wasn't a night for that kind of behaviour. Yeah. And actually, Robert wasn't thinking about that. He just needed a cuddle. Yes, absolutely. Oh, very sweet. <laughs> But it's a useful moment because um, I think Jim is quite a good person to talk to in this situation. I actually thought if, you know, if Jim were able maybe to discuss, either discuss his experiences or be able to relate to Linda without having to explain why, he would be quite a good person for Linda to talk to because basically he's been through something absolutely traumatic himself and has quite a bit of sympathy for the sort of lashing out and the outbursts. And he could be quite um, quite good for someone like Linda. He's at least good for someone like Robert and says, you know, surely outbursts can be expected and almost um, forgiven. Which I think is probably good for Robert to hear that, that Linda's behaviour is actually quite normal for someone who's been through this kind of thing. But then he also suggests to Robert that, you know, you might as well apologise, but you can apologise for your behaviour, but not your words. <laughs> yes it's quite kind of like a a crafty little thing there isn't it it's it's i mean obviously there's so much to to go into about kind of apologies and non-apologies and um you know and i don't i don't want uh this podcast to become political at all so i i, I won't necessarily um go into that too much but it, it did i did get me thinking about how difficult apologies are you know they can be really difficult things to do and and i think Robert's quite sweet in that, and he's very honest about. He's just, you know, that is. He he thinks it would be really difficult to go and apologise to Philip, um, mm. and yeah, Jim sort of offers him a way through that, you know, to support Linda, but without feeling like he's betraying himself um, by offering an apology he doesn't actually mean. I don't know. It's quite an interesting, interesting sort of. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's very interesting. Um, 
And at least it might allow Robert to, like you said, find some peace because then he knows he's done what Linda asked him to do. Mm. Um, and then we finish the episode with Linda um, has spoken to an old sort of frequent guest of the B&B who has asked if they can come and stay, even though it says on the website that they're not taking any visitors. And Robert's really, really not keen on this, is he? He really doesn't want them to start having visitors. But actually, Linda is extremely keen. Mm. So while she doesn't like going out maybe into Ambridge, she is quite excited about maybe having guests and in that sense, getting back to normal. I think that there's something about... Um, sometimes when you're going through something and you feel like you need to talk to somebody about it or um, have experienced something traumatic, sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody that doesn't know you quite as well or mm. or has that difference, distance. I'm not quite sure that she's going to you know, talk to, have deep emotional conversations with these people. But to be honest, just to talk about anything else, anything but um, what happened at Grey Gables, I think would be exactly what she needs in a way, and somebody that's not local is kind of ideal. Um, I think it feels like it feels like a good idea and it feels like a positive thing for Linda to be saying that she's 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 keen for. Um, but I also understand why Robert might be, again, kind of confused and not quite know what the right thing is for her mm. at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, if I were Robert, I really, I would feel very nervous about it. Um, I, and I suppose he has to just, at least he listens to Linda in this situation and he goes, okay, you know, you said this is what you would like, so mm. we'll do it. Um, and Linda is really, really relieved and really, really happy about it. Yeah. And maybe you're right, maybe it will provide Linda an opportunity to talk either about it, you know, what's happened with somebody new or to not talk about it at all. Um, mm. And either way, that could provide some sort of solace. But we'll see. See you in May when they uh, come and stay. Um, and that was the uh, that was the end of the week. That was the end of the week, and I'm looking forward to the next week. Um, so I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the episode that I spoke to my auntie. So she is actually um, a trained counsellor and therapist, trained nurse as well, and she's worked in that field for a really, really long time. And she rang me to let me know a little bit about PTSD. Now, firstly, I need to apologise if I have either misquoted her or got myself confused, and I could be inaccurate about all of this but she was explaining to me that PTSD affects lots of people who have suffered trauma and um, she said you know who do you think would suffer from PTSD and I said oh well I know about soldiers and firefighters I also know about survivors of violence and sexual violence Um, and of course PTSD would be likely to be present in someone who's been part of an explosion like Linda but also I didn't know this it's common that people who have been in intensive care in hospital might also then suffer from PTSD. Oh, really? Mm. It's news to me. Why is that? Is that is that a sort of what, what what kind of is there a specific trigger that 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 gives them that? Or oh, I don't know. How, how does why why explain? <laughs> well, explain. Well, <laughs> apparently because being in I've actually been never been in ICU. I'm very fortunate, but um, apparently it be quite can be quite a traumatic experience. There's a lot of people in masks, and particularly now. Um, and there's a lot of you can't necessarily hear what people are saying. Um, there maybe even if you can, people are talking about you and not to you. Mm. Um, so you know, nurses and doctors talking to each other, but not and yeah. saying he he's this he that, but not sort of to you and through you. Um, and then you also obviously have a, um, my my auntie used the expression um, things done to you. You know, you just have things done to you, things like tests or tubes or drips. And of course, these doctors and nurses are absolutely doing their very best to for your health. And it's all the right things they need to do. But I think it can feel quite dehumanizing on the other end where you don't really feel like you have a lot of control over what's happening to you. Um, mm. And you don't always necessarily understand what's happening to you. And that could explain a lot of Linda's responses. You know, she's been in a burns unit and an ICU unit. Um, She'll have had lots of things sort of done to her, as she actually described in that scene with Freddie a couple of weeks ago. Um, And she she said, you know, I'm wearing this scarf and it's not even mine. It's not one I would choose. And you feel Mm. very kind of stripped of your identity. Which, of course, also made me think about people who are suffering in hospital now. I mean, even if they get better, which I really obviously hope that they do, uh, I think we need to be aware and ready to cope with 
the after effects of this pandemic you know if people have spent a lot of time in hospital and particularly mm. if no one's allowed to come and visit them yeah um and if people are wearing masks so you can't even you know if you can't hear what people yeah. are saying and you can't lip read it just must be really really scary yeah i th- I, I agree i you know you see photos my old school at the moment is um doing a really lovely thing which every thursday they post photos of um alumni who are working in uh hospitals at the moment um so photos of them say you know if, if you're clapping at eight o'clock tonight here's who you're clapping for and it's really lovely it's great it's quite nice to to see you know some of my old school colleagues oh that's brilliant yeah it's fab but 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 quite often they'll post photos of them in their um ppe which is uh, personal uh, personal protection equipment is that right um mm. And yet it, it is quite, I don't know, robotic almost, or it, it is quite dehumanising. You can't really see their faces. You can't, um, I, I can imagine it would be, you know, a little bit scary to a certain extent. I mean, obviously it's scary anyway if you're in that situation, but yeah, a really hard thing to go through. And uh, and if you can't kind of put a face to the doctor, it'd be tricky. Yeah. Well, I, I remember one of the scariest... <laughs> Uh, when I was little, I used to watch movies. I wasn't really allowed to watch big, scary films, but we used to watch E.T. quite regularly. Yeah. And one of the scariest bits in that film, I think, and they, they it's an amazingly shot sort of set of scenes, is when the uh, the people in the hazmat suits come through, you know? Yes. <sighs> and yep, they've got yep, big yep. masks yep. on and they've got big suits yeah. on. And it's really frightening, far more frightening than the alien. Mm. And... Um, and it sort of reminds me of that. Um, and then my auntie also told me about the things that you can then expect if you are suffering from PTSD. And apparently one of the big ways it affects you is it messes with your fight and flight. So you are, you could be permanently in a state of fight or flight with that massive rush of adrenaline, which is exhausting, but also means you're not necessarily reacting to a situation in, a, in, a, in the usual way. Or it can just mean that you are more likely to have your fight and flight responses triggered. Um, So I've got a way of imagining this for you. Imagine we both have a glass of water, um, neither of which are overflowing. We are fine. We both have a glass of water. I have a lot more water in my glass than you, though. So mine's maybe three three quarters full, Mm. whereas yours is maybe less than half full. But to everyone else, we've both just got glasses of water that are not spilling. Mm. But then when something comes along that is stressful, um, that brings more water. And I only need a little bit of water to make my cup overflow. Whereas you would require a lot more water than me to make your cup spill. So we both experience the same event, but your cup is fine. And mine, it starts overflowing. Right. Yeah. And you're walking around with that cup of water, which seemed perfectly fine to everybody else. It's not overflowing, but it actually only takes a little bit to tip you Mm. over the edge and to make your reaction maybe seem over the top to other people. And Mm. it can be really difficult to control. And as well as fear, apparently it can cause quite a lot of feelings of rage and anger, which you don't have that normal level of control over which ah. really rings true with Linda, doesn't it? Yeah, it does indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she, yeah she's, she's really angry with Robert at times. We, we've said that before, and you know, it's not, not really like her. Um, so mm. that makes sense. It makes sense. Definitely rings true. Yeah, but also my, my auntie did tell me that there are lots of new therapies and treatments which are really exciting. Um, there's one, and I'm going to get this wrong now, um, and I've definitely forgotten the name, but there was one where they're using it and the nice have approved it apparently but you you go through a memory but you move your eyes which means that the memory is moved into a different part of your brain your memory brain and so wow. it's taken out of the traumatic area and put into the regular area and it reprograms your brain I mean it sounds amazing and obviously doctors and scientists are incredible so Mm. there's also a lot of hope for people who are who might be suffering from ptsd you know that people are looking into it and they are focusing on it brains are amazing things aren't they yeah it's uh, they are wow fascinating well thank you for that that was really interesting oh thank you thank you auntie 
<laughs> yeah, well, Auntie Maggie's pretty, pretty cool. Um, and I know that we don't normally talk about, uh, you know, the, the coronavirus and COVID-19 and all of that because it's a nice break. But I thought that this was quite appropriate to what's going on and mm. uh, maybe it will help us all to be sympathetic and maybe patient with people mm. at the end of all of this because, you know, once the lockdown is over, that doesn't mean mm. it's over. Yeah. Absolutely, there's going to be there's going to be an aftermath uh, to come. I'm sure, unfortunately. Mm. But uh, yeah. Oh well, thank you for that. That was very interesting. You're welcome. I've talked a lot, so apologies for that. <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, no. They're really interesting, and uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, really useful um, info to have um, mm. to take with us. And thank you for the chat. Very, very lovely to chat to you again. Oh, it's lovely to talk to you too. And it's great uh, to have our listeners listening in. Thank you so much for all your comments and your pictures of your uh, places of calm and serenity. We could mm. see a lot more of those. Yeah, I might post. I've found a couple of really lovely places on our walks around Ealing, actually. I might post a couple of photos of those. <sighs> do, do. Oh, yeah. Look after yourselves and have a fab week. Stay safe, look after yourselves, tell that person you love them, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.